0: and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man who loves him some crossplay, if you know what I mean. Mr. Lauren Bobgarden! Lauren! <laughs> What's up, Brent Adams? What's going on, man? I do love me some crossplay. And for good reason. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to like crossplay. And, you know, we could dilly dally here at the top and say things like, hi, how are you? How is your week? But let's get right into it. Uh, first up in the garage this week, goodoldgames.com has just Dog. launched Galaxy. Sweet ass. That's right, Gog action. That's right. They don't need EBA for that anymore. They got their own sweet ass Gog. Speaking action. of which, is this is? I just want to welcome everybody to the
1: Daniel Kaiser anniversary edition of this podcast. Today is the big man's, the big hair himself. It's his birthday. That's right, the grand pooh bah. That's right. So that's an official Outlaw Gamer Society. Happy birthday to one Daniel Kaiser. Remembering back to some sweet ass Gog action.
0: Um, yes, go ahead, Brent. Sorry, yes, I didn't mean to as I you. was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. <laughs> uh, Gog.com. Has released a beta, and if you uh, were one of the lucky few who went over there and entered your email address uh, into their web thingamajig, you, like me, might now be experiencing the majestic uh, triumph that is GOG Galaxy, their Steam-like game platform and client available currently for PC, Mac, and Linux also, I think. Uh, but anyway, the point is that, uh, Gog is kind of competing head to head with steam on this galaxy, uh, is in beta and is already got some, some pretty cool things going on for it. Uh, Lauren, have you had an opportunity to check this out? I know that you, I know that you signed up for the beta. Have you gotten the client installed? Uh, I did get the client installed,
1: Brent, and, uh, I am slightly less excited about it than you only because I can't figure out why I have the client installed.
0: Uh, it probably would help if you had some uh, some games in your gog library which I do I'll talk I about do not. I'll talk about one of them extensively a little bit later on in the show but uh, I- I've been through the I've been through the experience of buying games to the client playing games through the client uh, and and that kind of thing and I have to say that thus far the experience has been good it's not as full featured as steam is uh, right now which is I mean, obviously, it's in beta, and Steam's been around for years, so there's going to be some disparity. But I think that everybody is excited about the potential of a competitor for Steam, somebody in the marketplace that can be an alternative for gamers to go to, somebody that's going to put some pressure on Valve to, uh, to do things. And obviously, this client is all about the GOG philosophy, which is to say DRM-free, you, you you don't even have to have this thing. I mean, you could buy your games through GOG. You can download them and and say to hell with GOG, and your games are still going to play. You don't have to be online. Uh, so that whole philosophy that uh, Good Old Games has made their made their byline is uh, is front and present here. Although if you want achievements, if you want to play online with friends, if you want to chat with friends. Obviously, you've got to be online for those things, but they really stress that it's all optional. Another thing they have going on is that they have crossplay, And cross-play means that you're going to be able to play with other gamers in multiplayer games. Say that they have Steam, for as, an, uh, as an example. You'll be able to play with them uh, through the games that you bought on GOG. So just because you bought your games on GOG doesn't mean you're going to be cut off from your, from your Steam friends in terms of playing online.
1: Yeah, I think, it's, I, think uh, I agree with you, good. Brent, that
0: it, competition is a good thing.
1: Certainly, um, I, I certainly respect the philosophy of what they're trying to do. I don't, you know, I have uh, something along the lines, I didn't look before this show, but something along the lines of two or, 250, maybe 300 games on Steam. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm going to have to be convinced to uh, to, to leave Steam, a, a, a company that has been good to me for the most part right. for nigh on 11 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I think it's great. Uh, I, I'm just waiting to f- figure out why I want to switch over there.
0: Well, I, I'll give you one good reason. Uh, if, you're a, if your GOG account gets hacked, your games are going to still work, and you're not going to get cut off from them while you're waiting on GOG customer support to give you your property back. Ooh, that happened to me. So, you know, that, that, I mean, maybe maybe that's an extreme example. Maybe that doesn't happen to a lot of people, but there's one really clear case where if you, and of course, now that assumes that every game you own on on Steam is available on GOG, which is not the case right now. Maybe it'll change, but there's one really clear case where it would have been beneficial.
1: But what, but, but have they said that explicitly, Brent? So if my game, if my, are you just, do you mean the games that I've already downloaded or do you mean all
0: of my games? How would I access all of my games if my account was hacked? You mean like over on GOG? Yeah. Well, your games aren't tied to your GOG account in the sense that there, there's no like, need for, you, for your account to be online so that the, the client can validate that your game belongs to your GOG account. Your games are DRM-free. So once you download your games, you've got them on your hard drive. That's it. There's not, I mean, there's, there's no online check. There's no DRM. There's nothing. So once you've got those games purchased, they're yours. Right. But what if it's not downloaded on my hard drive? That's more problematic. Right, because I mean, typically, again, I have
1: two hundred fifty, three hundred games. God knows they're not all downloaded on my hard drive. I right. maybe have, you know, ten at any one time or twelve, and so I have yeah. a couple hundred that aren't. Uh, yeah, and
0: and obviously that being the case, that's different. But at least if, I
1: could play those ten, which was Steam. I couldn't.
0: Well, you couldn't, but also, you know, you got the option. I mean, like, you know, you could download, uh, you know, every game from your GOG library, move it over to a storage drive, and just you know swap them out as you need to. So anyway, there's there's options. Yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting.
1: Uh, and I do see some of those use cases. I mean, certainly I had that issue where my account got hacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and definitely there is this, this fear. I remember when I, uh, first moved to Brazil, I purchased a game through my VPN, um, through the US store, having no idea that that was, uh, not allowed. Uh, and subsequently I stopped doing that, but I, I freaked out. Like, oh my God, if that, if I just did something that breaks, that violates the terms of use at Steam, they could close me off even accidentally they could close me off from
0: all of my 250 games yeah so and I, I think that that fear is I mean I think it's well founded I mean certainly there's a lot of great things about steam but make no mistake that you are locked into that platform to a degree whereas you know gog doesn't lock you in so much as I think invite you in you know like like they they give incentive for you to buy into their platform but they don't sort of force you to be there uh once you've you know kind of taking that initial step uh listen real quickly answer a question from twitter do has bad breath do host bad breath asks i never heard why lauren left brazil did he like leaving there in 30 seconds or less what is your answer
1: um i did like living there sao paulo itself is a kind of a kind of a gross city it's 23 million people so my wife and i left because we are maybe ready to have a kid and we wanted to be around her family who lives in new york all right, uh,
0: moving on to the next topic in the garage. Ether One. Ether is, One is on PlayStation 4. It is one of the free games that you will receive as a PSN Plus member during the month of May. Friends, Game of the Year 2014. Remastered. I don't know if remastered is the right word. Recreated in Unreal Engine 4 to play and look more spectacular than ever. There is a official PlayStation 4 trailer for Ether 1 that we are linking to right now that uh, is, is ethereal and mysterious and reminds you of all the cool things that, uh, that Ether 1 is all about. And it also has, you know, just like, you know, games do, they have quotes, you know, from... You know, various, uh, gaming clubs throughout uh, the industry, you know, Kotakus and Polygons and, uh, Outlaw Gamer Radios, you know, I mean, just, uh, just the regular typical stuff. But, uh, we, we were actually very delighted, very honored to learn that, uh, a quote from, uh, from yours truly, uh, Mr. Brent Adams. I don't know why I'm re- referring to myself in the third person again. <laughs> why are a you? A quote doing from that? me, uh, has, uh, has been included in, in the trailer and uh we are just uh, we're, we're tickled pink it was it was a very nice nod and we are so excited for everybody at white paper games uh on the success of ether one it's uh it's a favorite of ours and it's very very cool to see this uh this small studio getting some great recognition on a great game indeed it is and i you know watching that trailer
1: again brandon brought back all the memories of just why that game is, game is so great and how emotionally powerful it is. and yeah. So if you have PS Plus, make sure you go out and get this game during the month of May. Uh, you will not regret it. Like I said, Brent's Game of the Year 2014 in my top two or three of 2014. Yep. An amazingly powerful game about a subject matter that I have not seen other games written about and one that is very, very powerful. So, God damn it, if we haven't said enough about Ether 1 at this point, if every outlaw listening to this has not played Ether 1... I I might have to ask for your cutback.
0: (laughs) Nice, way 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 to bring in the mythos there. Uh, Let's close out the garage with I holy shit! I think a pretty a pretty significant thing, and that is the announcement that Oculus Rift, the consumer Oculus Rift, the much uh, the much speculated, uh, much anticipated consumer version of the Oculus Rift, is going to be shipping in quarter one two thousand and sixteen. Oh yeah, it is. That's right, Brand. Oculus Rift, Oculus finally announced it's shipping the consumer version of Rift in Q1
1: 2016. We know that the uh, Vive or Revive from HTC and Steam is supposedly coming out this holiday. Uh, we don't. Yep. We haven't gotten. I mean, they have said it, but but uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if
0: it slipped. Well, and they're um, supposed to be in beta spring, right? So spring is ending pretty soon. So they better. Get that's that, correct. They better get that beta on.
1: Quick. Yeah, so we'll see about that. But uh, Oculus uh, announced just a couple of days ago that they'll be releasing in Q1 2016. They said they're going to, uh, over the next few weeks is the language they use, be revealing more details about the technical specs. Mm-hmm. Um, we do see in the images that they show um, that it includes the uh, the headphones for... Um, Virtual, uh, um, it's not virtual surround sound. I forget what they call it now. I can't remember.
0: But it's surrounds. Uh, but, it's it's sound. It's audio for your s- virtual reality experience. It is, and I can't.
1: I feel I'm ashamed. I don't know the answer to that question, Brent. But um, uh, uh, you know, performance he, man, one in five men. Uh, that you know, well, you know, what are you going to do? Going to have a uh, after you know after five years? I'm getting old, and it's harder to keep up. <laughs> um. Uh, this is very, very exciting, Brent. We've been waiting for this for a long time. I was hoping it would be holiday 2015. Being so late in 2015, it does not surprise me. I'm just very happy to hear that it's Q1 2016. And I actually expect the device to come out in that time frame. I don't think, based on my experience uh, previously with Oculus, that they would be announcing this um, if, until if they had a final sure. date. Yeah, and uh, I, th- I will definitely, of course, be... Uh, Pre-ordering this device uh, and purchasing it on day one, uh, and I uh, will talk about this a little later. Uh, be- a- a- because of that, I upgraded my video card. What did you uh, What did you upgrade to? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay, like you talk about
0: that's exactly right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, for my own part, I am also uh, I'm also pretty excited. As I said long ago, when you uh, when you backed Oculus and got the uh, the. The uh, first dev kit d k one yeah uh, I said that I wanted to wait for the consumer experience. I wanted to wait until they 'd worked out all the kinks and and all of that, and so uh, we 're rapidly uh, coming up on that uh, assuming that they they meet this uh, this target window and i it 's very interesting to kind of be faced with it now, in light of the fact that there 's some competition out there we We know that uh, that steam is is planning something that they 're going to be releasing, obviously, we have uh, Project Morpheus. For the PlayStation Four, that is, um, that I'm sure we're going to be uh, finding out uh, more about that quite soon as well. I have to say that I think the thing that I really would like to see at this point, uh, the thing that would maybe maybe uh, help me make a decision, is to find out about the games. They they, they tease that a little bit, and they say that I think next did. week we're going to start finding out about some of the applications and some of the games that uh, have been in development for oculus rift that uh, we can expect to see and i'm very excited about that i i think that indeed adding oculus support to existing games definitely gives us an idea about what the what's technolo- possible yeah exactly what the technology is able to do but seeing things that have been designed from the start uh to be virtual reality I'm very very curious about that kind of content. So, I'm going to be watching this very closely as I kind of try to decide what I want to do, whether the video card that I have now, whether the, you know, the 970 I just got is going to be capable of Uh, of supporting vr in any meaningful way the one other piece brent that i think is uh, outstanding still for us to learn about
1: are input devices so so hopefully we'll find out about all this at e3 and brent it won't be too much longer that i have to actually see you in reality
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes i also have been longing for the day when i no longer have to see you in actuality just think about just think about when we can do this show in VR and like our own like little virtual clubhouse, you know, that that we create for ourselves in VR, and like the outlaws can actually gather in the clubhouse and listen. That's to what the show I was going to say. We'll have we'll actually have
1: them be able to sit around for recording
0: sessions. Maybe. I mean, I'm I'm not telling you it's going to happen next week, but it's going to happen next week. It could happen. Welcome back to the Clubhouse, and uh, we're going to talk about a really, really interesting kind of topic that ties in with some timely stuff. Uh, But uh, before we get to that, we're going to talk about the poll results from last week's discussion on tours in gaming Lauren <laughs> like before we get this? to the interesting stuff yes let's talk about this stuff No, just uh, break that poll I mean I don't know I don't know about that Brent point.
1: put up a poll from last week uh, He gave you guys three choices <laughs> and I'm going to break it down for you and how it shook out the question was do you think amateurs are good or I'm just kidding <laughs> 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 I could just I could see Brent on the other side Typo. going but wait do you, do you think our tours are good or bad for gaming Brent gave you three choices coming in in very last place Milkshakes are good. Autours are bad. 5% of the vote. I don't understand what the outlaw gamers have against milkshakes, but uh, (laughs) coming in in second place with 38% of the vote. Fire is bad. Auteurs are good. And coming in with 57% of the vote and in first place is the answer, screw this auteur thing, give me a milkshake made of fire. Hell yeah. I, I have a feeling that those votes had only to do with milkshakes and fire <laughs> and nothing to do with the subject I was, of auteurs. I was
0: really, really craving milkshakes at the time this poll was created. Uh, I wanted it bad. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for voting and for uh, for sounding off on that discussion. Let's move on to this week's discussion. Uh, Konami, as you all know, has canceled Silent Hills. The Guillermo oh. del Toro, Hideo Kojima, Hideo Kojima and Norman Reedus Norman starring uh, Venture. And as a result of that, PT, the so-called playable teaser for the game and, and a very unique game experience, uh, has been pulled from uh, from PlayStation. If you have it on your PlayStation right now, uh, you can play it. If you hadn't already uh, gotten it through the store, or if you had gotten it through the store but only had it in your library and did not have it actually downloaded, you are never going to play it again. Uh, is at least the intention. Now, that's not to say that you know people aren't going to steal it and pirate it, crack it, and figure out how to make it work otherwise, but at least Konami's intent is that uh, nobody's ever going to play it again, because as far as they're concerned, the the, the purpose of advertising that game, uh, or you know, the purpose of the demo was to advertise the game, the game's not happening, so there's no more need for the demo. But it does raise a very interesting question, something that we have talked about a few times over the years, and that is the preservation of games, the historical pr- preservation of games. and uh, And here's an example right here about a game that, for all intents and purposes, is now dead. There are a finite number of copies in the world on physical PlayStation 4s, and when those cease to operate, that game will be over, were it not for piracy and uh, and people who make it their business to get games like this cracked and, and in working order. So... Isn't that a problem? Isn't that something that we ought to be fixing? And, and and what about online games? What about things like World of Warcraft? Games as service has uh, become the watchword uh, in the recent console generation, and certainly it's not going to change in this one. So while certainly any old arcade game, any classic Nintendo title, yeah, you might not be able to get a working cartridge, you might not be able to get a Nintendo, but I promise you I can get you a ROM of that somewhere. But technically it's illegal. So... What are we doing about this? What is the recourse? Why are game companies reticent to allow their games to be preserved Lauren, what do you think about all this It's an interesting
1: subject Brent and it's one that I you know I've always felt like our industry lacks for a historical preservation um, I, even even I'll take that one step beyond just preservation but also um uh, I, I would say, historical perspective. I mean, I don't think... They're certainly out there. You and I have talked many times. You and I at one point actually talked about doing uh, a multi-part documentary series about the history of video games. Um, and, and there are um, history of video games type of books and documentaries out there, but they're few and far between. And uh, I, I think there are they are not robust to the degree which they could be, uh, particularly for an industry that is uh, as relevant as any entertainment medium in the history of humanity, uh, if, if not more so because it's driving, uh, uh, technology to a degree that I think even in mediums like film, uh, have never done. I mean, and I mean, ubiquitous society wide technology like computers, the internet uh, virtual reality, augmented reality. This is stuff is all being born out of uh, video gaming yet. There's uh, there's precious little, um, documentation of the history of, of this industry and medium. Um, Moreover, I mean, we've talked about, uh, you were talking about museums, for example, that kind of um, preservation. There are not, there are scattered throughout the country, a couple of video game museums. But if you watch the GameSpot video that we've linked to, you'll see that there are, um, there are small endeavors yeah. uh, run generally by a small group of people. Yeah. Um, you know, you asked the question, Brent, why, why do we think video game companies are reticent to allow these games to be preserved in this way. And, and and frankly, uh, the answer to that, I I think is very simple and it's money, uh, and and money in the context of wanting to protect their IP. I mean, I think the, the, the attitude of a gaming company is always, um, we don't want to relinquish control over any aspect of this game that we ultimately might, might one day maybe want to monetize. Right. um, so well, I, I, you know, I, th- I think it's that. And then I also think, though, that it's a they look at it as a finan- as a product. It's a financial property and nothing more. And so yeah,
0: I don't think that they necessarily share our view that there's some historical significance to it. You know, I mean, it would be like McDonald's preserving, you know, a hamburger.
1: Well, does except it, that McDonald's is, <laughs> that's is a terrible
0: example. Well, just, yes and no, Because yes I was just no. thinking about what that would look like, like a preserved John's <laughs>
1: hamburger. It's not, it's, it's not a fair comparison for two reasons. Number one, McDonald's, I'm sure, does preserve parts of their history. And number two, when you talk about things like, um, yeah, it's tough. I was going to say, I mean, you talk about things like McDonald's toys, for example, yeah. toys they might have put in the Happy Meal, uh, boxes from the Happy Meals, things that could be saved or preserved. Yeah. McDonald's is not suing museums who decide to preserve those things. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a very good point. Or, or blocking them from doing so. Uh, so I don't want to intimate that video game, there's actually been a lawsuit because I don't know that. But McDonald's is not blocking museums from, uh, from archiving, uh, what comes out of, what comes out of their restaurant, um, hamburgers, uh, notwithstanding. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you know, part of the problem maybe, Brent, is, is the lack of, uh, formal programs uh, that are doing this and maybe perhaps if there were more yeah. formal programs, I mean, really fundamentally, I suppose we have to look at the laws, the IP laws that protect these properties.
0: That's certainly uh, that's certainly a, a hurdle in doing this.
1: And my guess is right. Write some form of uh, language into the legal code that that
0: exempts um, archival entities well uh, the thing that i was thinking is that this is almost certainly something that would have to come from within the industry like this would almost certainly have to be something spearheaded by uh by the esa or, or or you know the esrb i mean i understand that that's not exactly you know the esrb's uh focus but through some sort of organization that already exists that is comprised of You know, people within the game industry. It seems like it would have to come from within the industry. Some sort of uh, unified effort to create, I think, a standard. uh, Whether that's merely policy or whether there's technology that is uh, included in that. But some sort of standard for for preservation of games. Uh, You know, maybe some guidelines about... Uh, about timetables like okay you know so at the point where you're going to end of life a title which is to say when you are no longer actively manufacturing a game uh, when you're no longer actively selling a digital copy of a game how long after that time you know should that game become eligible for you know for archival purposes i think that some of the hesitance on in the industry to do this is that perhaps there in their minds there is a There is a blurry gray line between piracy and archiving, you know, and I think that that does kind of speak to what you were saying earlier about, uh, you know, perhaps their attitude is, well, look, I mean, if people are archiving our game, that just means that they're just stealing it. They're, They're playing our game without paying us money for it. That's bullshit. And
1: of course, I can't imagine that that's what they're. Thinking. <laughs> I mean, that if you, to say you're going to say the Smithsonian is is pirating. Bull! That's bullshit. The Smithsonian well, is archiving our okay, game. I, I think that's a bit of. I mean, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Well,
0: I think the Smithsonian example is a bit of a stretch. I mean, I understand that there's been a video game uh, exhibit, at, exhibit at the Smithsonian, mm-hmm. but I think that when people talk about archiving games, they're talking about the ability for people like you and I to go back and play games. The, the Smithsonian, like the, the fact that the Smithsonian has a video game exhibit does not mean that you and I can roll up there anytime we want to and hop on a couple of their PCs to play World of Warcraft, you know? Oh, see, I was thinking of it, was, I was
1: using it in the context of. So there's both things going on here. One is to make them available for play, just like books and music uh, and film will always be available for you to access. Yeah. Every book ever written, as far as I know, and right. every movie ever made, right? And then there's the archiving in terms of like a robust. Video game museum the way there is, yeah, and, uh, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or music museums throughout exactly. the country. But, uh,
0: that's the thing. I mean, you know, there's yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a distinction there. I mean, you know, there's a difference between, no, I agree. Yep. you know, me pulling a Chuck Berry record off the wall and actually, you know, going and seeing his 335 at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, both of which are pretty sweet. Yes, I agree.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, that's the thing is I think about Brent, for example, I no longer have a last generation um, uh, console, and while I know that people's response to this might be, well, don't worry too much about it because it's probably coming, but the idea, just the idea that I may never play Red Dead Redemption again yeah. um, is bothersome to me, or Journey, which I know is coming for the PS4, mm-hmm. but are they going to make it for the PS5 and the PS6 and the yep. PS7? Yep. That's a game that I want to play with my child. I mean, that's a... Um, and the idea that that I might never play Journey or Red Dead Redemption again uh really bothers me i agree i mean i'm or that to do so i have to get it from a pirated source i'm
0: keeping uh, i'm keeping an xbox one i don't know if you can see it behind me but i've got my xbox elite right there and i keep that in the house and the only game that i have for that is red dead redemption you mean xbox 360 excuse me yeah yeah my xbox 360 elite uh is right back there and i mean i own that so i can play red dead redemption should the should the need ever ever strike
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing. And you're right, there are ROMs you can get now. And and basically, you know, they talk about in this video, Brent, the idea that essentially the people that we as fans of gaming, uh, rely on to archive these games for play are pirates. Exactly right. We're actually fundamentally relying on pirates to be able to play these games. And And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way, uh at all, as a matter of fact. I mean they're they're having some sort of legacy system in place, I think. Uh not actually not not having some sort of legacy system in place is uh is a real shortcoming on the part of the industry. And he brings up an interesting example of a game that was something of a nothing game, and I can't remember what it was called, Brent. I'm talking about the GameSpot video again. Uh where um one of the designers had been working for I think he said the the might have been the Skylanders team, I can't remember. Um, uh, he was, they were working for another uh, team currently, and he passed away. And he had worked on a game many, many years ago, 25 years ago, in which the end credits were actually you walking through the offices at EA or something oh. uh, and interacting with each. You walk up to the desk, and it tells you who the person is and what they do. That's fascinating. Um, it was interesting. And this guy was in that game. And so his coworkers, uh, who had worked with him and knew about this, and after he passed away they had wanted to go back and find this and they wanted to show it in a reel and and look at it and maybe even emulate it and uh, it, this was a nothing game and if this guy hadn't uh, archived this that might be lost forever
0: yeah it's uh i think that i think it's short-sighted on the part of uh, of the industry to to not realize that there is a a historically significant reason to preserve games. It you know it took the film industry uh, in the 20th century a very long time before they kind of understood that that preservation of film was something that was important. And I mean, we've lost films. I mean, the, the, you know, there are hundreds, maybe maybe thousands. There are hundreds of movies that have been lost to time. Right. And you know we should learn from that lesson, and we should make sure that the same does not happen to video games. You know, because we're we're not as far along. Uh, as uh, as film was when people began to realize, oh wait, you know, if we don't actually work at this, if we don't take steps, then right. it, it's just it, it's going to be just like you're saying. I mean, like as far as the film industry is concerned, this is product sitting on a shelf, and at some point, they're paying more to rent the shelf than the product is worth, and they're going to destroy it. You know, I can't. That find- almost happened to Blade Runner. That almost happened to Blade Runner. And yeah. you know, so it's just it's one of those things that we ought to. I think that we ought to care about, uh, and we ought to be working at finding a solution right now uh a solution that works for everybody because there's solutions right now but it, it does involve piracy and i'm perfectly open to the industry exploring an option that does not involve piracy one of them is to keep selling your fucking game and i'm going to talk in the in the in the road about just such an example uh that that does kind of tie in with this with it with the game from my past but i, I think that there's no excuse in the sense that there's there's clear financial incentives you know to to keep your game in the marketplace and to allow people to purchase it well with the exception of of course the online piece of it because that requires maintaining exactly servers exactly right exactly what i was going to say and that's the one thing that they're going to have to they're going to have to eventually decide they they're, they're going to have to either make the decision okay we're end of in this game we're going to have to let people run private servers if there's going to be any kind of pre- preservation for it. I mean, that's the only solution in yep. case. Or at, like-
1: least, at least leave the, tool, right, the tools out there so yeah. if somebody wanted to at some point that they could and, yeah. and legally make it accessible. And, and the example they use is a perfect example of World of Warcraft. You know, 50 years is a game that's just huge in our industry. Yeah. And 50 years from now, no one will be able to play yeah. it. Th- um, think
0: about all of like the really historically significant, culturally significant, You know, like TV shows as an example. That were on television before you and I were ever born. You know things oh, like yeah. you know All in the Family or uh, I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of uh, like Good Times. Not before I was born. Well, nah, well you're you are you're a little bit older than I. We'll, <laughs> not before I was born. We'll either. Think about something from the '60s. You know, but it, it, the honeymooners. Yeah, I mean, like think about those. You know, things that like really defined a, a particular era in history, or you know, whatever. Yes. If it weren't for syndication uh you and i would never have seen those things and and it's important to see those things it's important i think to be able to, to 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 look at the art from from decades past because it is very informative uh, I think that the game industry needs to get out in front of this. There's no reason not to. There's no technical hurdle to making it happen. The only thing not making it happen is basically their, their choosing to not make it happen. And that's not a good enough excuse. Well, or not necessarily choosing to not make it happen, but at the very
1: least, not choosing to make it happen. I mean, they may, they may not be making a conscious decision saying, we don't want this to happen. Yeah, I know what you mean. But they may just not see it. They may not even, it may not even be on their radar, right. or it may not be of enough value that they even want to look at it or address it. And I think they should realize uh, that it is of, of significant cultural value. I mean, for God's sakes, Brent, I can't even find a copy of Porky's anywhere now. <laughs> and, and how am I going to share that with my child?
0: <laughs> okay, so we are here in the road and I say in the road. I mean we are in the road. Like just We are on the road. We're on the road. We're in the road, in the middle of it, barreling down it. Lauren mm. uh, I'm gonna start doing sound effects. Yeah, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> talk about, well,
1: I'm like talk a, about Wolfenstein. about Wolf and Stuff. I'm like a white Jewish middle aged Michael Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my sounds start with... <clears throat> Mostly start with consonants.
0: Um, talk about Wolfenstein... Or at least have a few in the middle. The Old
1: Blood. Uh, uh, Wolfenstein, The Old Blood, Brent. So this is the standalone expansion pack that just came out for 19 99 on PC, PS4, and PS1. Yep. Uh, this is the uh, expansion pack to Wolfenstein, The New Order. Uh, one of my favorite games of 2014 and one of, if not the best single-player first-person shooters to come out in the last several years. Uh, Uh, Wolfenstein, The Old Blood. Uh, From what I can tell, I've played about three hours of it now, and I I am, uh, I think, on chapter four-ish out of eight, so I'm guessing this is six to seven hours. Um, And it is fantastic, Brent. It is in every way. It's fantastic. It continues to do so well what I thought the first one did, which was... um, uh, pay homage to the classic first-person shooters of yore, Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Mm-hmm. And in this one, you actually return to Castle Wolfenstein. But it pays homage in, uh, not, not just in uh, tone, but also in mechanics and uh, level design to the days of yore, and it's it's just wonderfully comfortable in that way. And for those of you that played first-person shooters in the early 2000s, uh, you will recognize the difference in the feeling of this game mechanically when you play it. It will feel like something you haven't played in a while, um, but... Uh, but uh, in addition to paying homage to the shooters of yore, they also do a fantastic job of updating it and making it uh, and polishing it and making it beautiful, making the mechanics more smooth, adding a couple of other different mechanics like dual wielding. Uh, not that that wasn't around back then, but I don't believe you could dual wield and Return to Wolfenstein. I could be wrong. Um, maybe you could. Um, but uh, so they add some new mechanics in uh, Wolfenstein: The New Order, uh, and uh, and then for this, the next step, Wolfenstein: The Old Blood. They take the new order uh, and add some twist to it as well. So some new weapons, uh, some new uh, gameplay types. uh, And I don't mean like, um, you know, I don't want to give anything away because part of the fun of it is discovering uh, the new stuff. But there's new melee stuff, uh, new throwables, new weapons, uh, along with the great story and the same hearkening back. And it's just it's fantastic in every way. And I'm just thrilled to have another piece. And if you did not play the New Order, I, and you don't want to spend the money on the New Order because you're unsure, I, I, I stand as wholeheartedly behind uh, the old blood as I did the New Order. And for 20 bucks, if you want to just check it out uh, to see if it's for you, I highly recommend it. Tons of fun.
0: Very cool. Yep. For my own part, uh, I've got a few games this week. I've played a little bit of uh, Skyrim, a little mm-hmm. bit of Alien Isolation. Haven't mm-hmm. haven't dived into those too much, uh, although I did... Um, I, I did, uh, I'm continuing to like, you know, go through and like refine sort of like my mod setup for Skyrim. And so I'm always kind of, you know, just plinking around with that. But, uh, I'm, I'm doing side quest stuff and, and, you know, people are right. Like there's some really, really interesting side quests. I just Hell got yeah. done with this, uh, this one called, uh, A Night to Remember where you get into a drinking contest, uh, in a tavern and, um, and you you wake up you wake up in a in a temple on the other side of Skyrim with some priestess uh, chastising you about uh coming in drunken the night before, muttering something about a wedding and a goat <laughs> and, and like as soon as that line of dialogue hit me, I was like, "Best mission ever." And then you uh, yes. got to like go back and try to try to reconstruct reconstruct the night. I mean it's it's basically a movie. It's basically, you know, the Hangover but happening in Skyrim. Uh yes. the, the inventiveness of that game, the the depth of it is just remarkable. Several people have have recommended to me to get a couple of like the really big kind of like the like the the mod based the community based DLC like Falkreath uh, and, and I'm, ge- I'm going to go to those. I'm going to go to those. It's just that I've got other games that I kind of want to play at the moment. And so I'm, I'm trying to restrain myself a little bit, a little bit of alien isolation, not much to report there. I'm still in the very, very early stages, uh, of that game. And, uh, you know, just like, I've just, you know, made it onto the, uh, to the, uh, the facility, I don't know, you know, the space station, whatever, where you're, uh, where you kind of start the game and already things are going wrong, but,
1: uh, <laughs> nothing, figure. nothing
0: much to report there. All right. Uh,
1: next up for me, Brent, is The Witcher 2. So in preparation for The Witcher 3, um, which nobody's calling The Witcher 3. They're calling it The Witcher Wild Hunt. But in preparation for The Witcher Wild Hunt, I decided maybe I'll download The Witcher 2 again. You know, as I mentioned to you, of course, you know I hooked up the computer to the television and started playing games using the controller. And I thought maybe The Witcher 2 will be more affable to me using the controller. And I was right. In fact, I found it less... Annoying, and I found the combat significantly less annoying. You know, I was watching a lot of the, I was playing it with a uh, mouse and keyboard uh, when I played it previously, and I was watching a lot of the stuff, uh, The Witcher Three footage, and I thought, you know, the way that the, the, um, the, the, uh, the, not the weapon wheel, but the. But the throwables wheel and all that works, I, I think could work really well if you pulled it up with a trigger, and I, I just thought it might work really well with the controller. Mm-hmm. So I decided to try it, and in fact, it is better, and I found myself much more deft at the combat and getting through sections of that game that I wasn't able to get through before that I struggled with before, uh, which is great. It also reminded me, however, Brent, and this doesn't cause me any worry uh, with regard to Witcher 3 because they've actually talked about this, but it reminded me why I was so put off of that game to begin with. Um, and And one of the things that... I just couldn't, you know. That just really rubbed me the wrong way. Was when you start that game, I don't know. Did you? I don't remember. No, did you play this game? I can't remember. Which are two? No. Yeah. Okay. So it's the most odd thing. So when you, it asks you if you want to start with a tutorial, and you say yes, and then you you launch into the game into the, to a level, and and you start playing, and you literally you, you take like one step, and it pops up with this dialogue box instantly about how to do something in the game. And it's just like paragraph filled with text. So you sit there and read it and you're like, okay, okay, okay. And then, and then you, you hit escape or whatever to, or back to get the text box gone. Yeah. And you like lift up your leg to take the next step. <laughs>
0: and there's another dialogue box.
1: And it's like it's, a full paragraph It's a
0: minefield of education.
1: And you're like, okay, and you sit there and read it, and you're like, okay, I get it, back, back, back. And you take one step, and you think you're going to be able to walk now, and you lift up the other leg, and now all of a sudden there's this other, and you're just like, for just let me play the game. Like, I don't need a paragraph on how to walk forward. And I understand some people do, but there's no, like, it's just like that, that first 60 seconds or 120 seconds in that game are one of the, are, are two of the most off-putting minutes I've ever had in an opening to a video okay. game. Um, and so it, it was just really interesting and it really got me off on the wrong foot. And now it's weird because
0: <laughs> <laughs> very they funny. i him off on the wrong. Foot, oh, he says, God.
1: Oh, boo. Um, do me so, a favor. But now I, Go hit yourself in the face with a hammer. The, um, the, um, uh, I don't know if I'm going to continue to play the game, uh, brand only because I'm replaying the first about three hours of the game. Yeah. And in doing so, um, I I don't like, I'm just, I I just keep hitting A to go through the story because I don't want to sit there and listen to the cutscenes that I've listened to already twice when I've tried to play the game previously. But in doing that, I'm sort of removing myself from what is one of the major points of the I game, say, which is the story. Like the whole thing. You, you just ought to go
0: watch some Let's Plays and be done with it. You know, it's
1: like, I, and I, you know what? I, no, 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 I wanted to play it, but in all honesty, I think at this point I'm gonna, I, we're so close. We're a week away from The Witcher yeah. 3. Um, I, I wasn't playing it because I felt like I needed to play it to, to know the story. I was playing it because I needed some juice to hold me until The th- Witcher 3 came out. I needed something in my veins, and so oh, well. uh, at this point we're close enough. I think I'm just going to give up on The Witcher 2 uh, preload tonight the witcher 3 is available for preload tomorrow brent i don't know if you know this tomorrow tuesday morning 7 a.m i believe is when the review embargo lifts for the witcher 3 wild hunt uh so uh, i think we're close release wow it's that's right it's it's i think we're close enough that i'm going to delete the witcher 2 and just move on to the witcher 3 and uh, call it water under the bridge
0: that's cool well i mean i understand what you're saying about needing your game juice i just think you're you're looking for it in all the wrong places um,
1: I got plenty of game to play too.
0: Because if uh, if you if you knew what was up, you'd be heading over to GOG.com, dot uh, maybe even through the Galaxy client, and you would be getting yourself some Star Trek twenty fifth anniversary sweet ass action. Um, this is the game that I alluded to in the last section. Really? This is this is the, the the game that I've been looking to preserve all these years. I have actually I've got copies of this game at, at some point in the last. 10 or 15 years I, I drug out my original game i managed to find an old floppy drive and uh and i managed to load this thing up and uh, and get it working with dos box but anyway i'm getting ahead of myself star trek 25th anniversary one of my favorite games of all time a classic adventure title on the pc by interplay my favorite pc developer of the 90s and um this is a game I played ad nauseum when I was a kid. It was amazing graphically back in the day. A lot of colors. not so, A lot of colors. Not so much uh, in the way of pixels, but a lot of colors. Anyway, uh, Star Trek 25th Anniversary is this fascinating, fascinating game that was created as really just like a playable version of the show. Like each of the levels in the game is like an, an episode of the television series. And they're, they're paced the same. They deal with a lot of the same... Uh, a lot of the same themes, a lot of the same particulars. Like the first mission in the game, you go to a planet of colonists uh, that are part of a religious sect that are saying, we are being attacked by demons. And uh, and you know so the Federation is sending you there to assist the situation and find out what's going on. Well, it turns out it's not demons. It turns out that there is a machine that is guarding something on this planet, and the machine conjures whatever your greatest fear is. And, of course, for these religious people, it's... Um, it's it's demons and of course for kirk it's stds no i'm kidding it's klingons and um, and so but anyway the point is that there is a reasonable explanation you know this is a theme that you saw in star trek a lot you know sort of rationale over irrational and uh and you know you, you play through the mission there's problem solving you got to talk to people you got to pick things up and figure out where to use them and all that stuff that you would expect from adventure gaming and you get to the end of the episode, you're given a uh, you're given like an evaluation by the admiral that you're reporting to, and then there's like cool little banter between Kirk and Spock and McCoy on the bridge, just like at the end of a classic Trek episode. The, the people who put this together were they were so they were so particular about sort of recreating all of those little beats that made the show great. It, it's actually one of the best examples of of a, a video game that, you know, that's, uh, tied into an existing property and it's kind of paying homage to it. It's actually one of the best examples of that that's ever been. It's a very, very fun game. There was also a sequel to it called Judgment Rights, uh, both really great in terms of puzzles and gameplay and everything. Uh, they were on sale, I think, for like five, six bucks, something like that at GOG. I, I think they'll be coming to Steam eventually, but they were at GOG first. So I went ahead and got those. And that's what I've been, uh, kind of using the, the Galaxy client to, to play around with and to, play those games the other cool thing about this is that this was done this video game was done in a time when nobody gave a shit about star trek and so they actually managed to have the entire cast voice their characters in this game i was
1: just going to ask you if this was if this was fully voiced uh, um, I, I honestly i was going to ask you the question like uh, sort of off like knowing you were going to say of course it's not fully voiced lauren Yeah,
0: it, no it, it's fully voiced by the original cast it the entire game is fully voiced game and uh oh i might have to
1: get that so so i want to awesome. know when
0: you're replaying it is does it hold up yeah dude it's if if you like i mean that's the thing if you like point-and-click adventure games if you, if you like that gameplay it's fantastic i mean it's absolutely so fantastic. the entire game is fully the voiced. entire game is fully voiced you know uh <laughs> and there's actually some i mean there's there's some funny dialogue and stuff you know because there's like there's not exactly dialogue trees But you have conversation choices. So, like, you as Kirk, you beam down to a planet, and you can say, uh, I'm Captain James T. Kirk of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Uh, We understand that you're having uh, some difficulty. We're here to help. Or the other option is, so, I hear you're seeing demons. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, uh, know, like, you could be, like, really kind of snarky. You can talk down to people. You have those options. And so, you know, Shatner's, like, doing all of those dialogue choices. And some of it's it's really funny. I mean, like, you, you know... Even if you don't, uh, even if you don't choose that one to go within game, it's really funny to listen to all the options that are available. That might be. That
1: might be. So I, I, you know, I struggle. I was looking at the game because I had never seen yeah. it. and I looked it up, and I struggle. I don't. The graphics don't bother me necessarily, right. but when there's no voice
0: and it's just a text adventure, that I'm kind of not personally interested no, in. You should. You should totally check it out. And the and the, the stupid thing is, but you said the, the yeah. other voice acting, like the other characters in the game, they're not bad. They're really not bad. I mean, particularly given how bad some of the voice acting was in games in the 90s, uh it's it's very very passable. Some of it even borders on good. The um uh you know you mentioned Brent, you said I got it working with DOSBox. Yeah, that's an emulator uh, on the PC. And so do you need that or can I just can I just buy so, this game and download best, and that's that's it and play it? Okay, like I needed DOSBox like 10 15 years ago when I was like trying to install this thing off my old floppies. Um the, the cd-rom version was the one that had the full voices i didn't I, like that was not the one that i owned but anyway the point is that you needed that emulator back then so i installed this from gog and i'm just digging around in the directory because i'm curious and gog <laughs> is shipping it with dosbox so you don't have to do anything i mean like all you do is install it and play it and it runs but the point is that the game is running in emulation through dosbox which i thought was very fun all right, is it controller compatible? No, it's it, it's. I can't imagine no, it would no, it, be. But. It's mouse and keyboard. I don't care, but that's I. I may have to pick this up for five ninety nine, dude. It's it's righteous. It's so righteous. It's one of my. That's awesome. I mean, this is one of the first games I ever played that I truly fell in love with. That's it's awesome. It's great to be dude. playing it again. And I can play it on my MacBook. I can play it on my fucking computer. It's it's great. Right. All right, that's awesome. Sorry to take so long with that. That's okay. Last up
1: in the game in the road, Brent is uh, I downloaded and played the talos Principle. It went on sale actually with the Humble Bundle is oh by the way. Uh having its spring sale. It's I believe fourteen days long. It changes every day at I believe one PM Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Uh and they had Talos Principle on sale for I think it was twenty nine ninety nine. And I remember hearing about it and was very interested in it. So but it was still a little bit um pricey, I thought, so I wanted to check it out. So I downloaded the demo and I played it. It was I didn't buy the game brent but it was a really, really interesting uh game. It's Kind of along the lines of a portal. It's a puzzle game. Um, and you can get the demo right now on Steam. It's free, obviously. And it was uh, super interesting. And I'm, I am I want to pick it up. I still think at twenty nine ninety nine, dollars 99 it's a little bit more than I want to pay right now, especially because of what I have coming down the park. Right. Um, but, uh, but I thought it was interesting. It's supposed to be not just a puzzle game, but also a sort of meditation on life itself. And you can see that in the demo. I mean, you can kind of see how they're going that way, obviously. You, I, I can't determine whether or not that... Um, uh becomes a little bit sort of uh, banal or not in the as you progress through it. But the reviews on this game are fantastic. It had an 85 overall on Metacritic. Many, many reviewers gave it in the high high to mid-90s. Um, so I highly recommend it if you were into Portal, if you're into puzzle games. Uh, this definitely is an interesting looking game. I personally am just waiting for it to come down in price just a little bit more.
0: That is excellent. I, I can personally I cannot hear Talos Principle, and not think of that guy at the statue of Talos in White Run screaming at you as you walk by about uh, Talos who walked among us as a man. As you're as you're going up the steps into Dragon's Reach, that uh, th- that that disciple of Talos that's uh, <laughs> always out there proselytizing. Yes. Uh, anyway, yes. that's not really related. Um, okay, guys, we are going to ride into the sunset now, and uh, so we've got our our last our last. See, that's what we're calling this last section. Uh, thank you very much for all of the uh, the great uh, suggestions on that. Uh, yes. We we really enjoyed reading through those; they were very fun. Lauren, what is uh, what, what's what's the last thing for you this week? Well, I feel like maybe maybe
1: it should have been um, the sales on humble bundles, but. Since I did mention that in the last one, this is going to be my, my topic as we move into the sunset, Brent. And that is, uh, and I mentioned we talked about this a little later, NVIDIA announced uh, a promotion with the GTX Series, the 9 Series GPUs, that if you bought them, now you would get Arkham Knight and The Witcher 3 I just missed the, for man, free. Man, I missed that shit by like four days. Arkham Knight and The Witcher yeah. 3. So, Brent... With that in mind, with the advent of the upcoming release of the Oculus Rift, and of course, you know, those two games coming out, and I already own both of those two games, I decided to purchase myself a new video card, and I picked up an NVIDIA GTX 970 from Gigabyte. What do you know? It's a a four gig card. It's gotten a a gigabyte, has theirs overclocked to uh, an 11, I think it's 1178 Bates base base overclock. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's what it is upon arrival, and it can go up to somewhere in the 13s, uh, making it you know not too far below the old 980. But um, I do know that the Oculus Rifts that were being run at uh, the last demo, I can't remember what it was, GDC or something like that, where they were running on 980s, yeah. uh, single 980s, uh, but I'm sure that the 970 will do just fine, at least uh, for now. Uh, With regard to VR. So I've got a 970, Brent. It came in the mail uh, just today. I picked it up about an hour ago. It is sitting right now, it is waiting to be installed. Um, but unfortunately, I have to go get an air conditioner before I can install it because being able to sleep is slightly
0: more important. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. I, I like both. I like, I like really uh, awesome video cards, and I also like air conditioning. So, Well, my video card will benefit from the air conditioner it as will. well. But, yeah, so very soon
1: here I will be uh, installing today or tomorrow, I will be installing my new GTX 970, which I'm very excited Congratulations. about. And pulling out the old, uh, I'm upgrading from an AMD 7950, which I'll... Uh, then turn around and sell, hopefully for somewhere in the neighborhood of about 175
0: bucks. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping to get something like that for my uh, my old one too. But uh, yeah, man, that's cool. So we're both uh, we're both rolling 970 uh, heavy here. We ought to. That's right. I'm excited Like if if we had actual cuts, we would have like a 970 patch.
1: That's exactly right. Up. Straight from the 970, which is Colorado Springs, Colorado, that's by right. the way, not a particularly badass zip code, anyway. uh, area code, I mean. So if you're interested, you're looking to buy a new graphics card, now might be the time for you, and you can pick up Arkham Knight and the Witcher 3 for free. This runs until June 1st.
0: All right, uh, the thing that I want to talk about as we ride into the sunset is, uh, and you probably are already aware of this, uh, Castlevania has got a successor. It is called Bloodstained, and uh, there's a Kickstarter right now in much the same way uh, that uh, that mighty number no. nine is sort of the crowd successor to Mega Man. Bloodstain is the uh, is the crowd successor to Castlevania from producer uh, Koji Igarashi, and uh, Polygon has got a, a cool like they they just went around with Igarashi for a, a day or two and they interviewed him extensively about the game and the campaign and Polygon's got a write-up on that. that's very cool. I'm linking to an article that does link to that interview but the, the main point of this article is that the uh, Kickstarter for Bloodstained was $500,000. They did that in less than a day. So they're, they've they succeeded at this point and there's a very interesting part of that interview where uh, Igarashi talks about how he had funding in place to bring the game to multiple platforms. PC, Mac, Linux, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, but that the investors needed to be convinced that there was demand for it. He says, well, we'll do a crowdfunding campaign, and uh, you'll see that you know there's a lot of people out there that want to play this kind of game. And so they did the crowdfunding campaign, and I think at this point we can declare that uh, a successful way of convincing your investors that people want to play the game. Bloodstained sounds very cool. It's going to be very much in the vein of of Castlevania. Uh, Definitely Awesome two D sprite artwork and um, exploration and and uh, of course uh, lots of cool weapons and and all that kind of stuff. You can read more about that. I won't uh, I won't take up your time with it, but it looks cool. Congratulations to uh, Igarashi and everybody who is uh, working on Bloodstain, and I'm anxious to uh, I'm anxious to see where things go from here.
1: That's awesome, man. Uh, I think that uh, it's about time we put out in the Kickstarter for our game to prove to
0: everybody. Obviously, what a great. What a great idea. <laughs> that uh, that that 2D side scrolling brawler that we've been uh, we've been talking about doing all these years.
1: Yes, with with uh, Woody Allen as the lead character and Jewish.
0: But that's thing. it's a buddy thing. It's Dennis Leary and Woody Allen. <laughs> that would actually be f- absolutely awesome. I agree. All
1: right, Brent, with that, we're going to call it the end of yet another incredible show. And as usual, we want you guys to comment on everything we talked about, whether it's Bloodstained or the promotion from NVIDIA. Of course, the games we talked about while we were riding on the road, Talos Principle, Star Trek, the 25th Anniversary, Witcher 2, Skyrim, Alien Isolation, Wolfenstein, The Old Blood. The topic while we were hanging out in the clubhouse this week uh, about the preservation of video games, both from an archival standpoint vis-a-vis museums and also the access for gamers to continue to play them over time and then when we were out in the garage we talked a little bit about the rift shipping in q1 2016 ether one the trailer for playstation 4 and the fact that it is available as a playstation plus download for the month of may and gog's announcement of gog galaxy make sure you check that out comment on these topics and anything related to gaming as usual here's brand adams i am lauren Baumgart. and remember you don't stop playing because you get old you get old because you stop playing